0: mystery
1: around us.
2: Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host Rebecca Mears with my co-host Luca Howlett. And I'm thrilled to have sitting in the studio with us today, somebody that we've tried to have in... (laughs) Several times before, he's he's so excited, he's flipping backwards off his chair. This is <laughs> Jesse Wentzloff, who's CJF's own public affairs and talk coordinator. Thank you for joining us, Jesse.
3: Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> glad to be here.
0: We, we've been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. We, we tried to have you in when we did the fund drive. Uh, yes, and, uh, and, uh, circumstances and that one intervened. Circumstances intervened. So we we had you on, on that quick reel back in.
2: So we intervened in this circumstance.
0: Yes. So, yes. Yay. Yay.
2: yay! <laughs> so Jesse, let's dive in and get people connected with who you are and what you do. Um, how long have you been here at CGSF?
3: Oh, gosh. I don't even know the exact number or date, number of years. Um, I know towards the end of my university career, which appeared at SFU, lasted from 2005 to 2011. So somewhere in 2009 or 10, I started... Incrementally, bit by bit, volunteering here at the station, mm-hmm. uh, and have been increasingly involved since then. Yes, uh, so I don't know, eight, eight years, nine years, ten years, maybe. So
2: that so. makes sense for why I kind of like I don't know where you begin because you were always here in <laughs> yeah. some degree or another since, since we've been here. Since we've been here, and um, it sounds like it was one of those slow, gradual crawls into the station. It's occupied more of who you are or you've. Who you are occupies more of the station, maybe.
3: Yeah, well, I, like, I mean, it's it started off as just, um, you know, like many people, there's access to music here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was and continue to be super, super into music and really passionate about it. And this offered me an opportunity to, you know, get my hands on some, some more music than I had access to. Uh, and then from there, uh, I think I went to uh, one of the station's retreats really early on in my time at the station. And that indoctrinated me and hooked mm-hmm. me on the values of the station and everything else that goes on here um, to the extent that I mean, I'm not doing what I went to SFU, like what I have my degree in at SFU mm-hmm. archaeology, I no longer pursue that. But I am very much involved in the, the quote unquote, extracurricular that that hooked me while I was here.
2: Mm-hmm. So. so what took you into archaeology?
3: Uh, I mean, partly Indiana Jones. Uh, uh, right to on. be entirely upfront, uh, which it was crushing my first, one of the f- the first lectures of one of my first archaeology classes. Uh, you know, you sit down and the professor flicks over to the first slide, and there's a picture of Indiana Jones <laughs> with a big X through it.
1: And this is not archaeology. Not getting this.
3: You're not going to go punch Nazis. You're not going to go do all the fun. Swinging off of <laughs> whips vines and, and, vines and underground caves, and, and no, uh, and it it would be. I, I learned uh, through the course of that that it was going to be sitting in a, a a hole in the ground with a paintbrush, <laughs> so very meticulously brushing end. dust off of things. Um, but I mean, I've I've always been really interested in um, stories, and what I found through my archaeology degree is that I was less interested in uh, the actual. D- dirty archaeology of going out and doing the research and much more interested in the stories that could be told about uh, past life ways, uh, different societies and cultures throughout uh, time, and uh, just, a, I think, a, a general interest in uh, history and prehistory and, and culture is what what led me into archaeology to begin with, I think.
0: Now, you went from archaeology... I don't know if there's a direct connection here, but then you went. You studied broadcast.
3: Yeah, um, so I I did completed my degree here at SFU in 2011, and uh, spent a little bit of time looking around at the the archaeology job market, um, <laughs> such as it is. Such as it is. <laughs> um, continued to be active at the station, uh, and then I think 2012. Um, Started my own show with my co-host Jamie, who's uh, also an executive member at the station. uh, So your show's been going on for a while now, right? Yeah, yeah. We're on our sixth... This is our sixth or seventh year at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kept doing that and realized how it... You know, the one one hour a week, or three hours if you count the, the prep and everything, that I was up here were very quickly becoming the highlight of my week, uh, and that led me to enroll in BCIT's broadcast, or Radio Arts and Entertainment Program, is what it was, Mm -hmm. and uh, that gave me a, a good sort of wide foundation of what it takes to make radio and make good radio, and um, that program was certainly a lot more focused on the commercial side of things, but uh, I think I was able to extract what I needed out of it um, to give me a good foothold to be able to contribute here at the community radio level as well.
0: So when was it that you made the move into the job that you're in now? And uh, and what was it that attracted you about that?
3: Well, um, I mean, I would be... It would be untrue to say that the the main thing was not just that it was CJSF. Um, I have, yeah. you know, since since I got here, been I have been persistently trying uh, to stay involved in whatever way I can. Um, I was the production coordinator here for a little bit, um, involving making show intros and promos and things like that, training people to do that. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, and then. There was a grant-funded project called the Making Time for Radio Project that involved uh, the station hiring a public affairs collective um, to do a little bit of programming. Uh, and then once the talk coordinate public affairs and talk coordinator position opened up in, I think, a few years ago, 2016, wow. maybe 2017, uh, I know that this passed... October, September, October was my Mm two-year anniversary in this position. So um, I guess looking at the math and going back, that would be 2016. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like I graduated from BCIT in 2014 and then started looking at radio jobs around, um, but was always pretty focused on... A staying in the general vicinity of the Lower Mainland, um, and B doing something community radio oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, never, even while at while in BCIT's like commercial radio focused program, it never really crossed my mind that that was what I was going to end up doing. Uh, I mean, never say never. Who knows? There's, there's a long future ahead, but mm-hmm. um, just the 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 general. Ethos. I'm not super motivated by money, yeah. um, and I, I like, like I said earlier, sharing stories and helping people get their voices out there much more than uh, helping car dealerships sell <laughs> <laughs> their product.
2: Oh, yeah. This doesn't seem that far removed to me, to be honest, from the essence of what guided you into archaeology. Yeah, I was going to say that. One thing about digging through you know the dust-covered moats of the past is we can't hear their music but we know that music transfers so much about culture and individuality and the flavor of of a people or even just an individual and yet you referred to the fact that you know you're the, you're you were you were interested in archaeology because it was going to connect you with the stories from the past mm-hmm. and different ways of living individual Societies or humans or, or animals or whatever, right structures and things from the past that, that 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 have information that is different from our lives right here right now, so what, what you 're creating here it, it is very similar. Oh, totally! It looks mm-hmm. totally different from the outside. I have not seen you with a paintbrush in your hand <laughs> when I've come in any of these weeks. Oh, I no. painted
3: that room over there uh-huh. a couple <laughs> months ago, but that's di- different, different kind of use of the paintbrush.
2: Yeah, brush. but you're still you're still digging up the stories, mm-hmm. right? And instead of it becoming um, through pictures or articles that this research or this information will be shared, you're actually letting people share their stories more directly.
3: Totally, and it like it's a different in kind or it's different pieces of information and it's presented in a different way. But there is, I mean, if you were to watch me sitting at my desk digging through essentially crates of old audio files or digging through, um, you know, what's going on in the world at this point and how can I uh, present it uh, in a way that makes sense and that has the right context, um, it's very similar. And, And really the idea of context is... I mean, it's central to uh, news and public affairs and just radio media in general. If you're going to tell a story, the context is super important. But the idea of context is also central to archaeology, right? The context Mm -hmm. tells you as much information as you can get about the thing you just pulled out of the ground. um, Because it might have some inherent information that can be drawn from it, but usually... Mm -hmm what's around it and, like, what it was buried with right. and what it was buried beside and how it was buried mm, yeah. is is gives you just as much information as whatever that thing might be able to tell mm-hmm. you.
0: In fact, sometimes that defines it, right? You don't yeah. know what it is until you look around it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah,
3: and there is this really this, – I, I, this story, this, this is a picture book, I guess, that really made – a big impact on me in my archaeology classes that I, of course, can't remember the name or or author of, but I can remember the pictures and the story of it, like, so clearly and so vividly in my mind, and um, it was presenting the idea that, you know, everything we know about past peoples and past life ways is based on the, the garbage or the bits and pieces of the things that we found, and we're trying to... Create something out of that, and so they, you know, they fast forward three thousand years into the future and present a fake excavation of like a Motel Six mm-hmm, or whatever.
1: And mm-hmm.
0: I often you think about that. Right, what you go is into the future going to make of us? Exactly,
3: right? Exactly. And the the main thing for them was, you know, they they found they characterized the toilet as being like a, a an. Place of worship, and, and, and <laughs> because it's made of a fairly like labor-intensive material, and they, you know, they found a skeleton kneeling beside it or, or whatever. <laughs> and, and everybody has um, one, exactly. Um, <laughs> and you know, they postulated that maybe the toilet seat is like a, a ceremonial necklace, or <laughs> and so that idea of uh, a like that's hilarious, and there there is <laughs> hilarity to be found in in the context, but there's also it's just it totally shapes the story you're telling. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think that's made me more aware as a consumer of media, uh, but also I try to incorporate that anytime I'm telling a story or presenting some information that uh, you can't just present it on its own. Or if you do, um, you have to recognize that it's then open for interpretation uh, based on what you have given. And if you don't give... I mean, I'm hesitant to say if you don't give enough, you won't get a good reaction because sometimes someone can just spin it out of nothing. But uh, well, I was thinking difference. about
0: that around um, how we use electronics so much now, mm-hmm. and and how um, books and film and all of the things, a lot of the things that represent our culture are going onto computers. When when somebody digs us up two thousand years from now are they going to find that? Is it going to have any meaning for them? And it might look like we've all of a sudden become illiterate because mm. the <laughs> literacy has disappeared onto a format that they might not be able to access anymore. It'll be so antiquated, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to be chiseled into rock anymore. It's going to be somewhere else.
3: And it's going to require propi- proprietary equipment and software to yes. extract it. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And
0: which will be antiquated by then, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating to me. I was thinking also about um, as we ha- how do we? Um, oh, b- before I do that, M- Rebecca's pointing
1: at little <laughs> pieces of paper
0: here. Um, if you're just joining us, we're uh, talking today with Jesse Wensloff, who's the public affairs and talk coordinator here at CJSF, and we're delighted to have him in the studio with us. And we're we're uh, just talking about uh, radio and and what it, and what it means in archaeology <laughs> and culture and our culture and and um, how we represent it and talk about it and have a look at it and all of that kind of stuff. I was thinking about when you were in broadcasting school and um, I, I don't imagine that much of broadcasting school even addresses the kind of radio that we're doing.
3: No. Um, I mean, And so how
0: do we recruit people into this? It's almost like if you're a student at one of the in, in or near one of the places that broadcasts. You'd hear it as you walk by and maybe you'd be recruited by somebody sitting at a table saying, oh, we, we're looking for volunteers for the station. But it's a very different way of bringing people in than doing it through a formal program in a broadcasting school or people knowing about it as, you know, CBC or BBC or whatever it is in in people's part of the world, right?
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, at the, the program that I went through, they didn't even really present community radio
0: as it's not even an an option it's not even on their radar Um,
3: you know when they talked about careers or the kinds of radio you could you could pursue it was Mm. commercial or public and while um i mean for someone who wants to tell stories and you know get get paid to do it the public radio is kind of the the holy grail Mm -hmm. um and is presented as such but it's also you know there it's very limited in terms Mm. of the number of people that are getting paid to do it and the number of people yes. that are able to tell yeah. and share stories yeah. mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I, it was it was shocking to me that the community radio was not presented as um, m- m- b- spoken about more because it is a great opportunity to use and practice and develop all of those skills and build relationships and um, I mean I know that the radio station is probably my strongest and uh, like widest and most diverse social network, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know I have met way more people here than anything else I've done since I moved to Vancouver. Um, even if you look at the, you know, the networks of friends that I have from when I was living in residence. Um, I mean, part of that is just that I see people at the radio station on a more regular basis. But yeah, um, I think. I mean obviously, if you're paying to go to school and your the idea is to go from there into a job they're they're gonna be more focused on the jobs that can pay you right off the bat um, yeah. but i mean i I work here now um and I had to volunteer for a while and build the skills and relationships to do it, but um I think.
2: We could call that volunteering apprenticeship because that's mm-hmm. what the model is. is in the totally. past. Yep. Yeah. We name it as volunteering these days, but really, it's how we get our feet in the door yep. for a lot of things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And there were a lot of people when when I was at the um, national conference the first time. I met a bunch of people there who were uh, giving talks, who were um, CBC people or SC- ex CBC people who got their start. Mm-hmm. In exactly the same way as we're doing it right now, yeah. And and have you know a, a warm fuzzy place in their hearts for how they came to be in this and the and the freedom that we have that they don't always have mm-hmm. to be able to produce what we want to and what we feel resonates with our understanding of the community around us.
3: Yeah, well, and I would say like the community radio has a very in the media landscape anyway a very unique mix. A blend of both freedom to kind of do what you want, tell the stories you want, put whatever voices you want out there, but also the support um, required to learn how to do all those things and to to help make them happen. Um, I know that these days, like, podcasting is obviously huge, and um, everyone seems to be starting a podcast, and there's a podcast about everything, and they're great. I listen to probably 15, 16, 17 different podcasts. Um, but, you know, if you're making a podcast, you're doing that on your own. Or Yeah, and you,
0: who gives you the training for it? Right? right, and
3: so to be able to come in here, I mean, our door is open and there's no experience required and, um, and we're very happy to just teach people from the ground up. And I think that places like that, like that kind of thing is rarer and rarer these days, especially, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great to be able to open up YouTube and find a tutorial for anything I want and (laughs) teach myself, but uh, there's something about being able to go into a place where there's other people who are oh, yeah. passionate. Well, but about then the you get m- mentorship, you right? It. Which is yeah.
0: something that you can't get through YouTube. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can get the you know transfer of of skill and knowledge to some extent, but mm-hmm. but who comes and gives you feedback on how you're doing with it after you've started experimenting, right? Yeah. I think that's invaluable, and that's really part of what apprenticeship is. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm going to take it in a slightly
2: different tack, but related to something that you were talking about a few minutes ago. And that was um, when you were talking about context and in the development and of uh, your stories and choosing what you want to give airtime to, et cetera. What's your take now on where we are currently at in society there is i feel there's a big shift that's been happening especially within the last couple of years in media in in news telling Mm -hmm. in um and that's all i'm gonna say now i'd like to throw it over to you what are you perceiving and how do you see yourself in that mix ah
3: well uh obviously just in general everything's getting a lot more fragmented right um people don't go to one source generally I mean I say that people I know generally are not getting all of their information from one source um, they're I, I try to pull from as many different trusted publications as as I can and try to form a you know see what four different people say about the same thing and pull out what what the similarity what the the through line is there um, but I think it's interesting because People aren't, for me, for community Like, we don't have the resources to be provide to do like breaking news, to be giving mm-hmm. a daily rundown of what's happening every day.
0: We're not equipped for we're, that.
3: We're not equipped. We're we're volunteer run, and it takes. I mean, I know from my time at BCIT, like it's a full time job to write one newscast, mm-hmm. and that's an eight hour shift, and so you need at least three people to run the news 24 hours a day, and then it just sort of builds up from there. That's just the people writing the news, and mm-hmm. then you need someone presenting the news and, and all of that. Yeah,
0: and if you do any research pieces, it takes even longer.
3: Totally. Um, but like in-depth what, research. Yeah, what we have the ability to do is instead of that sort of, hey, here's this brand new thing that's happening. Let me give you the the most liminal, superficial details. Um, I can talk, I can, you know, call someone at the university and I can call someone from a community nonprofit, profit and um, have them, you know, speak to them separately or bring them into the same space and have them talk to each other um, and just do a lot of things that certainly, like, public broadcasters do, do some of that um, on some of the different shows that are not necessarily news-focused. But um, I think that it's a lot easier. There's a lot more openness towards the idea at community in community radio of bringing in someone who's not necessarily an a quote unquote expert, right? Someone who um, has a perspective uh, on an issue that is important and meaningful, uh, but they don't necessarily, I mean, like when I just said, uh, talk to a, a university professor, that's, that's a go-to for, for anyone doing, you know, if you're, the CBC is doing a news story on uh, immigration, they're probably going to talk to someone from UBC or SFU about it. Um, And if you hear people's voices, it's generally in the limited context of uh, like a sort of a person on the street interview, just giving their opinion on it. And I think uh, the ability for us to bring in members of the community and share community voices that... um, you know it's about it's context again and you don't need every single voice on the on the air to be telling you like direct factual pertinent information about this thing they can be telling you about their experience and their life and giving you a little more rounded take
0: i yeah. guess well, yeah well it's an access thing right that that we are accessible mm-hmm. um whereas some somebody uh, who is a you know mainstream reporter at one of the bigger stations or even one of the news outlets is not as accessible to the average person. Mm-hmm. So then, when we bring it in, uh, bring that those people in, we we get to give. It's 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 nascent almost. It's it's. Um, it's like the grain of sand that goes into the oyster shell mm-hmm. that's going to create the pearl. We, you know, maybe we stumble across a pearl, but but very often we're all about the grains of sand, right? Mm-hmm. So it's mm. somebody might listen to the show and think, oh, I've been looking for somebody like that, or I never thought of it that way, and it goes out from there.
2: I'm thinking, too, that the people that might be accessed um, here may be more relatable mm-hmm. for most of the, even, even, I mean, as you were saying, like, being based here, having the wealth of knowledge and experience that's here at, at the university, the professors that are right to hand—you can pull in these people. They're still more relatable than the experts. I'm using air quotes here. That you know, someone's going to pull onto the news, where usually those experts are going to be somewhat flashy, somewhat their names are out in the public sphere, and that's why they've been chosen rather than sort of the deep-running people that are really quietly doing the work and respected. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, too, there's this really beautiful juxtaposition um, between what you were describing as, like, when, when you've got the focus on the what's the breaking news and where the energy goes into making sure that you're on top of that, that's very fast-paced, quick turnover, looking for what pe- gonna, what's going to grab people's attention, whereas here we're as you were saying because we can we we're not we're not focused on that. We can't be focused on mm-hmm. that, but we do have the space and the time to go that much deeper, get the grassroots voices and it becomes this lovely secondary piece for those stories that may have caught our attention in the news but then we find that we don't get to hear what happened next. Mm-hmm. We don't get the follow up even perhaps. That's where this can really play out right it's like hey remember that thing (laughs) (laughs) remember this person or this situation like here's some more like we're gonna go a little deeper into this and kind of flesh it out and see where things are now and it just really helps to provide with that deeper education i think Mm -hmm. i think
3: feeling there there's a couple other areas where um we have a real advantage and that's that like anyone listening right now could come up to the radio station Mm -hmm. and Come onto the radio and have like be hosting a radio show where they can talk about whatever they want within the, the boundaries of the the CRTC and the the Broadcast Act in like a week. Yeah. Uh, I I have gone to broadcast school and I there I could not walk up to CBC mm-hmm. and and get on nope, air right? right. There's it's just not possible. Um, and the other thing is that um, you know I'm I'm the public affairs and talk coordinator uh, here mm-hmm. at, at the station. I in if you think about the sort of how that fits as, as the, in the hierarchy of the station like I I am in a way I am the coordinator of your show mm-hmm. right yeah. yes. but I exert no editorial influence I might send you uh, an email about a guest I think you might like mm-hmm. but even on I mean we know that on commercial media the or you know commercial news commercial media the stories that get covered are often influenced by advertisers right. or the stories that are not covered. Are often influenced by <laughs> advertisers, yeah. um, and on public or er, public uh, radio like the CBC, even then there is an editorial team that is shaping the narrative and that is shaping what makes it onto air. Here at CJSF, it's literally like what the host wants to be on yeah. the air is is what you hear, and I think um, that again, coming back to context, just getting. That sort of mosaic of all these different people's perspectives and the things they care about and the things they want to talk about Mm -hmm. um, just makes it a much richer narrative. uh, We also have
0: the grace of time and space, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think a lot of things don't get onto mainstream media because they have a limited amount of time and space for it. Mm -hmm. And they have to eliminate things that they don't have time for. We have... The or grace, funding for. Or funding for. We have the grace of a lot of time and space here, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, sometimes means that there isn't the, the pressure to produce, but but the, it also means that there is, uh, there's options. There's, mm-hmm. oh, you know, get, yeah, let's try out something new. Yeah. Let's see how it goes, how it works. So I feel like it's time for us to
2: play one of your songs. Sure. Which one would you like to play first? Oh, gosh.
3: Um... Sure. Let's do the the Lupe Fiasco song. Okay. So I've got
2: that right here. Do you want to tell us before we listen or after we listen why you picked this song?
3: Um, maybe I'll do a little bit of both. Um, it's long, so I might need to remind you afterwards. <laughs> um, but uh, Lupe Fiasco is a Chicago-based hip-hop artist who I've been following since my days, my early days in university. Um, his first album was called uh, Food and Liquor and had songs about skateboarding and just sort of... <laughs> talked about a lot of the issues um that are common in hip-hop um you know growing up in a disadvantaged life that kind of thing without falling too much into uh, the the tropes the the misogynist tropes of of hip-hop and um so I really sort of latched on that his new album uh, is called uh drogas wave and is a two-disc concept album that each disc tells sort of a different Story re- revolving around slavery, um, mm. both the transatlantic slave trade, um, and he ends up sort of using that as a parallel for uh, the relationship he had with his music label, where mm. he was being forced to create a bunch of music he didn't like and not getting paid for it, and etc. Mm. etc. Et um, so this song is called "Wave Files," uh, and it's it's about both of those things: the transatlantic slave trade and then also his relationship with his label, which. It's happened to be called Atlantic Records. So. Ah.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Jesse. All right, we'll take a listen to Lupe Fiasco's Wave Files, and we will rejoin Jesse Wensloff here in the studio in just a few minutes.
4: I tuned into what the future holds, I can never be a slave Niggas, they gon' have to pay me Navy, downloaded by the titles like Jay-Z That's a roll offshore like an AP Davey, Jones like a on top of those Hoppers off the side of the ship Suicide didn't die from the dip Submarine man, keep your eyes on the blips Sonar, echo location Know where we are phasing, get back to our nation Hola So we walking back to Africa I found a detour to the seashore Yes, jumped off the deck To leave footsteps on the depths of the seafloor Yeah, bones
1: is the beach Why, the beach Why could it be just like So I'm going back home I took a leap last night So I'm walking on water to my feet Just like Jesus Christ Well. Wow. walking on Walking on water to my feet just like Jesus Christ.
4: Walking on water, Walking on water. Yeah. Walking on water, yeah. Dive with us. Vibe with us. Inbibbed with the tide, see salty cause it cried with us When we looked it in the eyes, like how could you help her? Beside and apologize and said that I'm sorry with shelter Y'all can live down here forever, drowning and severed From all your lungs and the lungs of your sons to your daughters The water's a treasure, some in the forest, talk in the trees Like how could you be in the chorus with something so horrid You became balls for the floors and the doors of the warships Anthropomorphic, the forest returned with a match Made from itself and said burn us with that Left again and came back
1: with that axe We can serve you as furniture, furnace us black yeah. My bones is where the beach is White, where the beach is White, cause the beach just like So I'm going back home, I took a leap last night So I'm walking on water to my feet Just like Jesus Christ Well, come my- on So walking on water to
4: my feet just like Jesus Christ Yeah, shipwreck with us Grab vessels, bring them down to the depths with us Take a hold of the bow with the Jesus and the Brigentine Sanderson And the Amistad and the Henry of London Elizabeth Fanny Butler and the Hector And the Creed of Baratoga and the Martha Florence. Alabama and the Wanderer Henrietta Marie, the Molly, the Sloop, the Malak in the Poor murte in the River Volta, The Lord Boar, the LSC, the Eagle, the Agent Coca, and the Colorado, Tartar, Morgan, the Miser, the Pungas, and the Mary Bowl, and the Surf serve, serve. Winsbury in the Liverpool, the Marquis, O'Grady, the Inbus, the Farrus, the Leons, the Navigator and the Phoenix. Play Tor Dragon Grey Wei, Ruby. 10 swallow green dragon and the charles the a with a the moon tapping and the slant of london jeffrey little feed mediterranean rihanna the solomon and the tire cop the mercy the enemy the little napoleon rainbow enterprise the Catherine, bristol to come the other end the adelaide brooks and the law law
1: Night, so I'm walking on water to my feet just like Jesus Christ. Wow, walking on water, wow, wow, walking on water, wow, wow, walking on water, wow, wow, walking on water. water. My bones is by the beaches, white by the beaches, white, curly beaches, just like so. Going back home, I took a leap last night, so I'm walking on water to my feet.
4: the sevens to the heavens and the skies in us conversations with the constellations Why you navigate the haters black baby alligator betas supposed to do greater with all of your alphas and betas and minors and majors you were so busy just trying to shine you should have been trying to see. Star said excuse our behavior. We will be indebted to you for all of eternity if you counseled your heart and forgave us. Remove all our favors from childrens, to sailors and slavers. Repay you with acres for here in the heavens. where harvest is greater from meager inheritance. Parting our arrogance. Those with Americans. Got them to places much safer. here. Eh? the
2: Respectfully acknowledge that we broadcast on unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the tsleil Welcome back to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Hallex, and we have Jesse Wentzloff in the studio with us today. And we were just listening to Lupe Fiasco's Wave Files. That's right. That was pretty cool. You were mentioning that one of the lyrics of that was all the names of Slave ships,
3: yeah, all the slave ships involved in the transatlantic yeah. slave trade. And he managed to just list them off and rhyme them and do them all in time. The whole, the whole album um, he recorded and produced at home with his producer and was just like a real departure from the the commercial music industry that he had he had been a part of since he was you know eighteen and signed a six record deal or whatever. Um, and I had sort of drifted away from his music over the last few years because because he, of that because <laughs> it had he had been forced to release a certain kind of music and he put this record out i guess last year now uh and i was very happy to, to see him yeah. sort of he's come, come back. back to
0: his essence totally yeah
3: if yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can plug our show a
0: little yeah
2: that's great while we were on break there we were all three of us kind of discussing about how this is this is an an unusual show since we're talking with Jesse who's a part of the radio station that Luca and I are you know we we produce the show through and um, as Luca said it's a bit like navel gazing sometimes because we're talking about what we do but at the same time it it gives us that opportunity to say well how did we connect with this because we're just average Joes that did just connect with CJSF and now Joettes Joettes (laughs) 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 and now we're here (laughs) Mm -hmm. doing this and same with you you know you just kind of cozied up and over time and, and that's that's the beautiful thing here is that we've all kind of fallen in love with what is possible and what, how accessible community radio is. And um, you mentioned earlier, Jesse, you know, you're not motivated by money. Hmm. You're here to do and to create and you're pulled by something else. What, what would you say that is? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm.
3: I think I... I get a lot of uh, – I like teaching people and helping them achieve the thing that they want to be able to do. Um, when people come in and they clearly – like they're passionate about getting on the radio or doing a thing and I'm able to show them how how easily that can happen or how quickly that can happen and seeing the wheels turn in their head and realize like, oh, wait, you, you really mean I can just go do – anything um, if I'm trying to assign you know people come to me and ask me what they should do an interview about and it's I mean I have a list of, of topics that I can give to someone I have a press release is sent to me all the time but my first answer is just like what do you want to do um, and having like either through school or other elements of life, like everyone has been told no so many times, um, that just being able to almost unconditionally say yes to any idea that someone has um, is really, really gratifying. Um,
1: and, and liberating.
3: And liberating. Uh, and like liberating for, for them, but liberating yeah. for me too. Like yeah. I I hate having to say no to someone. And usually if I am, it's, it's more of a, well, we probably have to tweak that a little bit to make it compliant with certain <laughs> legal regulations but um yeah so i would say uh, facilitating for people um i really like and uh i mean i come up here and it doesn't really feel like work it feels like i'm hanging out with a bunch of people who are passionate about the same things that i'm passionate about and you know all spend the day getting frustrated about a very specific software issue uh and then come home and realize that like oh i was still just at the radio station all day <laughs> today. um and so there's definitely i don't know it's a it's a mix of it's a very social reasoning i would say um it has a lot to do with my interactions with people up here um and you know like i've i have worked um because, because I'm not in this for the money. I've worked a lot of other jobs <laughs> um, to support it or to, to sort of uh, facilitate. And the environment and just the general social group that is up here at the station is to- It's completely different from from any environment I've ever worked in. And um, I, I really value how consensus-based everything is and how even though there is a, a general management hierarchy at the station it's it's not it's not like any job i've ever worked at where you know you just say yes to the person above you and and do it and grumble about it and complain about how the things aren't the way they should be and how unfair it all is i I never feel like i'm being taken advantage of here Mm. which is something that um you know living in this wonderful capitalist world we live in is uh all too rare i think
0: it's not heavy-handed. Mm-mm. No, in fact, it's quite invitational. It's um, it, it it opens doors rather than closing them. I think.
3: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and any time a a door does close here, it's usually just because we couldn't find the doorstop, or we could, you know, <laughs> we didn't have the right thing in place to facilitate right. it. Um, it's it's usually not a no. It's a not yet. Right. Um, it's a, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, you want to do I that. I can't do that yet, but mm-hmm. I am definitely committed to helping figure out how we can make that work. Um, and I think that sort of uh, yes and no but attitude um, has been very, very useful just in, in my life in general. Um, just problem solving instead of being like, well, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> what would you like to see happen um, let's speak generally rather than specifically for this station in terms of community radio or campus and community radio, co-op radio, that aspect of things that you said wasn't really covered in your coursework for people who are getting into broadcasting, no. n- not just in how it relates to how it shows up in coursework, but um, what would you like to see happen as like the next evolution?
3: Well, I think that... Um the the values that we have at the station and um you know of uh openness and diversity and um just really that that open door and the the extended hand uh is something that pretty much any business or in like anything in the world could benefit from um so I mean, my answer is like, like like a total a total attitudinal shift around the whole world <laughs> uh, to everyone being open and, and
0: everybody be like us, be like well, us. Well, we're <laughs> doing our bit, right? Yeah. We're showing that of, it's possible, of course.
3: <laughs> um, but I think um, you know, from from say like a, an educational perspective, I think um, directing people towards like p- I, a lot of people don't realize. The how many and how widespread um, nonprofits are, or community organizations, and all of the opportunities that exist out there. Um, that like volunteerism is a part of our society for sure. But um, I, I feel like you know when I was when I was in high school, we ha- we had to have twenty five volunteer hours to graduate, and everyone sort of like that feel like set the tone for everyone that was like oh i have to volunteer Mm. um and my time at cgsf has taught me that like it's it's not a chore to volunteer it's it's an opportunity it's it's a chance to go do this thing and so i think um i mean it's tough if you're paying to go to school to hear well you should go and give your time away for free to go really find what you're passionate about but i do think that um you'll get more people winding up doing things they're passionate about than Mm -hmm. um otherwise because i i mean i have i have friends classmates from the radio program who took a job in radio and in commercial radio and hate it or Mm -hmm. who took a job in radio and are not even in the media industry anymore Mm -hmm. um, because it was not something that they were really interested in or passionate about. And, um, I think that with community radio, because everyone's a volunteer, you're not going to get very many hosts or volunteers in general who don't want to be doing what they're doing mm. in that exact moment. Because if I ask someone to do something and they don't want to do it, they don't have to do it. They can just <laughs> say no. I'm They don't even have to say no. They can just disappear. <laughs> um, so I think, um, that I don't know. It's tough because I, I. I mean, I would love if the station could uh, compensate all of its all of its programmers, but at the same time, the fact that they're not compensated is we're doing a it because we want part to. Part of what makes everything so great. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if I have an answer as to like what, like how it all needs to change necessarily, right? Um, but I do think that that the, the volunteer I'll, the the volunteer passion that is prevalent here um, would be very useful in a lot of different places. If that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking too, as you were talking about that, there's a there's a kind of a gradual evolution of why people are engaged when they start from that volunteering space. Uh, they come because there's something fun, mm-hmm. something that they personally enjoy. They get to play. Interesting you came because of music, right? Mm-hmm. You just a love for music and there's access to all this music. I mean, it is seriously a bonus to be like, what I can actually take copies of like anything I want what? Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's fantastic. Like, it's oh, a-
3: hey, there's eighty five thousand <laughs> records in there and you can listen to all of them if you want. Yeah, okay. That's
2: a big win. yeah. yeah. And so you engage from that space of I'm getting something that's fun for me while I'm contributing something that I have to give time, Mm -hmm. attention, whatever. But then as you spend time here, you start to connect in with the things that you discover you actually care about. Mm -hmm. And that's where we end up in the situation where all three of us are, which is we're actually deeply passionate about those things and we're still having fun. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like this sandbox play atmosphere, but there's Mm -hmm. all this fodder for creation if you compare it to like walking into a studio where there's all the all the art supplies, right? And you mm-hmm. get to do what you want to do. If you don't want to create anything, then you're not going to come here. But if you are interested in creating something and making something, then ev- all the tools are here. Mm-hmm. But and it got- isn't
0: even all on-air, right? Some no. of it is off-air. Some mm-hmm. of it is facilitating other people who are on-air. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's fundraising, it's publicizing, it's community outreach, it's all kinds of things. So it's not just if you have a passion for being behind the microphone so and I think a lot of organizations are like that there's Mm -hmm. there's much more diversity behind them than we sometimes know when we first get involved oh yeah I mean that that, that first involvement is like the the entree and then it's like oh my god look what else is in here
1: mm
3: -hmm. yeah I think that uh I mean people come most people who come to volunteer at the radio station their initial thing is I I want to do a radio show, but then you talk to people about volunteering at the station. Like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the air. Okay. But there's so much more than that to this organization. Um, And like you said, any organization, but I think one of the, one of the things that is really, and we, we've touched on it um, really, really beneficial and really sort of fundamental to what makes what we're doing so valuable is that path to, of, like you can start with no knowledge and we will welcome you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with open arms. And I think mm-hmm. um, a lot of places there's that sort of first barrier to entry that assumes a certain level of training or technical expertise or qualification. And yep. I understand the, the need for that in a lot of cases, but um, I think you lose out on a lot of those potential voices and a lot of those potential ideas if mm-hmm. you're right from the get-go, cutting out the X percentage of your right. potential pool.
2: Are there any gaps that you're aware of in terms of uh, diversity that you would love to see represented?
3: Um, well, I mean,
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: I think our, our station in general, um, I mean, it, it's tough because we try to uh, work through the the paradigm of nothing about us without us, mm-hmm. um, and in order for that to work, um, you you need the membership to be broad and diverse. And that's, uh, I mean, we have general recruitment issues and and retention just because of our location and the fact mm-hmm. that our. You know our main volunteer base is students who are in inherently transient. <laughs> um, I would love to see more programming uh, by Indigenous folks on on the station. We do a really good job of um, gender diversity and sexual identity diversity, and even even I mean, like we have we have shows in um, ten plus languages, and yeah, um, mm.
0: different uh, ages. We have different different age ages spectrum.
3: All, all over the yeah. place. Um, there are you know you w- want the station to be as diverse and representative as possible um but there's always going to be gaps just based on who wants to volunteer at the station at any given time and part of that is making the space um welcoming mm-hmm. uh, and um making the space for for <laughs> it to happen um but that's it's always an ongoing thing that we're trying to get better at mm-hmm. so. Um, and I would love for more, uh, just on a completely different note, more f- fiction storytelling oh, uh, yeah. on mm-hmm. on the radio. We have a few we have a few syndicated programs and a few programmers who are starting to do some of that. Um, we've got show Clap Slam, which is uh, recordings of the Vancouver Poetry Slam. Oh nice. Um, that's great. But uh, something that, I'm I I'm a sucker for fiction in all <laughs> all media. So um, I'd love to have more people just telling stories. We yeah.
0: had a Halloween show where we mm. we both oh, had right. um, a story that we that yeah. we shared. Yeah, and we could do more of that. Yeah, that's Caitlin,
3: fun. our volunteer coordinator, and Jacob, who hosts the art show, uh, they did a Halloween show where Jacob brought in. Uh, a special, like a, a pedal for his, a microphone to distort his voice, and they read, <laughs> they read some Edgar Allan Poe, nice. and they they just did a whole spooky, sp- spooktacular. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> have
0: to be original stories. No. It can be the retelling of fables or totally. folklore or anything.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I I have a deep connection, as many people do, um, I assume, to to oral storytelling because... Mm-hmm that, you know, the first stories I ever came across were told to me by my parents or my grandparents. And um, I think that, that there's the potential to really connect. Um, I mean, you can, with a nonfiction story, you can definitely cover some really important ground and, and get a lot of different perspectives. But I think um, there's something... You can be a little more universal with uh, sort of fictional storytelling that touches on themes than than sort of the the blunt, tell me about this specific thing uh, or this specific idea.
0: No, in a way, we're sort of into storytelling here. It's mm-hmm. like, who are you, and where did you come from, and yeah. where are you going, and yeah.
3: and who knows, and uh, what matters. To I you. might have been telling yeah. fiction all episode. Who knows?
0: <laughs> and and it may even if you were, it would have touched somebody in some way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's such a powerful um, expression of humanity and and our culture, mm-hmm. and really, really, really old. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I mean, old as making music sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing.
3: Mm-hmm. And I mean that ties right back into archaeology, right? Because uh, for a lot of a lot of the stuff that you're investigating through material remains, it's because they're in a pre. They they there is no writing system in, in right. for for that culture. So mm-hmm. a lot of what is would be known about them is. Yeah, Wrapped up in those oral traditions,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and it's a very it's also a representation of the feminine, right? The, the masculine is the writing down of it, the, but the storytelling itself is a yin, n- non-rational, non-linear um, process, mm-hmm. which is another aspect of our culture, important aspect.
2: So, I asked you about how you'd love to see community radio evolve. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be doing?
0: Oh gosh,
3: this is an even tougher question. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I I want to keep telling stories. Um, I hmm, I like I got a, a whole bunch of like little different divergent interests. Sometimes I just want to be like living in a cabin, growing vegetables, <laughs> and fishing from a stream, and that's like that's it. Um, sometimes I want to be producing uh, in depth podcast documentary series um sometimes i want to be a music producer um so um i feel like all the things all the things Everything. my my sort of scattershot uh, ver- versatility has always been both a strength and a weakness um <laughs> and i feel like it will continue uh to be so throughout throughout my life um but i know that uh, one way or another storytelling is going to be in there and uh some sort of creative artistic pursuit.
2: Fantastic. I look forward to seeing your evolution and the evolution of community radio. We're starting to get close to our end time. Who Mm. would you love to hear from that might be listening right now?
3: Oh, um, Katie might be listening at this point. (laughs) Katie is my partner. Um, Hi, Katie. (laughs) A very talented uh, chef, baker. Um, And, I mean, anyone who's listening, thanks for listening. It's... (laughs) it's, uh, I don't spend a lot of... I mean, I should be thinking about my audience uh, (laughs) and visualizing them and knowing exactly who they are, but uh, it's just flown from my mind at this point. That's
2: all right. How could people get in touch with you if they decided that they're inspired by what you've been sharing today and they kind of want to connect with uh, you or CJSF? Yeah,
3: you can um, send me specifically an email at cjsfpa at sfu.ca. PA is in public affairs um you can get at us on social media whether there's cjsf's facebook and twitter and instagram and all that uh you can call me at 778-782-4423 uh uh, which is not the on-air studio number um but all my contact information is also at cjsf.ca um Mm -hmm. or you can just come in uh i'm here most weekdays there's someone here who can uh talk to you about talking on the radio (laughs) and it is a
0: friendly place so you can wander in and somebody will always talk to you about what we're doing and Mm -hmm. and how we do it and why we do it and how you can be involved and all of that it is a it's a welcoming place Come hang out, yeah, yeah. Jesse.
2: Thank yeah. you for hanging out with oh, us. Thanks today. for having me. That was this awesome. has been fun. Super good. Mm-hmm. Luca, is there anything coming up for you that you'd like to tell people about?
0: Um, I'm starting up my Power Circles, which is for people who want to use their intuition in their professional lives, especially if they're um, working with teams or if they're um, if they've got clients in a healing capacity. Um, so that's starting up at the beginning of February. So I'm having chats with people about that at the moment. Perfect. So that's what I've got coming up. How about you?
2: I have begun talking with people who are interested in doing the same kind of model with big houses but with tenants in it and then Airbnbs such are leveraging the the thing in the city that is kind of huge and out of control but actually making it work so that more people can have access to affordable housing. So I'm If you're interested in making that happen and piloting a project, I'm kind of sharing that model because I'm doing more of that. And I think that's one of the ways forward for housing in this country. So you can feel free to get in touch with me. Our information is in the outro. And until next week. I wonder
0: what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com.
2: I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Oh, ah, ah, ah,
3: ah, 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 ah,